Welcome to the Jay Kim Show. This is your host, Jay Kim. I am an investor, author, and fitness entrepreneur. And for the first time in Asia, I sit down with the world's most brilliant minds in business, investing, and entrepreneurship. You'll learn all the secrets, strategies, and formulas to becoming a successful entrepreneur directly from the masters. If this is your first time listening, thank you for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week with the goal of providing actionable insight to you, the listener, with every single episode. And now, on to the show. Today's guest is Kent Langley, who is probably the smartest person I've ever met. He is a Silicon Valley-based entrepreneur who has had multiple exits and now runs a company called Production Scale, which focuses on the global exponential organization movement. So what exactly is the global exponential organization movement, or global exo movement, as he calls it? The analogy he gives, which is massively dumbed down from my mere mortal brain, is basically he consults large organizations and teaches them how to create a structure within that organization to leverage exponential technologies. So what are exponential technologies? Exponential technologies are technologies where each year the power and or speed are doubling and the cost is dropping in half. So think Elon Musk type projects, including robotics, drones, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, and nanotechnology. Kent is also a graduate and faculty at Singularity University, or SU, where he teaches about data science and exponential organizations. No surprise there. SU is essentially a school for the smartest people in the world that solve global problems. It's like a Y Combinator for rocket scientists. The admissions criteria is ridiculous. Basically, pick a business idea that will positively impact a billion people in 10 years or less, and if it's viable, you can apply. So fair warning, this episode is not for everyone, uh, but for those of you who are interested in learning about the rocket scientists who will impact our future and change the world, then this one's for you. Hi, Kent. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you, Jay. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, we are very excited to have you. The show that you are a slightly different guest uh, that that we've had uh, previously, but you're going to bring a lot of value. I'm very excited. You know, we're going to talk about some topics that maybe the audience haven't heard of yet, uh, such as exponential organizations and data activation. But before we get into all of that fun stuff, why don't you give us a little bit of your background, Kent? I know that you've been an entrepreneur for pretty much your whole life, but maybe you could just lead us into how you got to where you are today. Yeah. You know, so I'll, I'll start, you know, when I was four years, no, I'm just kidding. Not, I won't start when I was four years <laughs> old, <laughs> but, um, but no, in, in all reality, I, I sort of have I suppose now that I've been on the West Coast here, I'm in California, I've lived here since 2002, and I've started four companies here on the West Coast. I've had one successful exit, one kind of right down the middle, and another couple. One was an interesting experiment, and one was, we'll just call that, that big failure everyone needs uh, to really galvanize. But, uh, you know, that's my entrepreneurial career here on the West Coast, but I've literally been starting companies since I was a little kid. and. You know, more than anything, in my last company, I kind of began this work with a fellow named Salim uh, around exponential organizations back in 2014, and something happened to me uh, in my last company. I really figured out, as an entrepreneur, you know, what is it that I want to do? What am I driven to do? And I developed something that's called a massive transformative purpose for myself, mm. and that was to apply technology for humanity. And 
since the moment I figured that out about myself, everything changed. The type of people I talk to, interact with, opportunities, my own businesses, uh, everything. So it's just been a really unbelievable uh, opportunity to figure that out. And it's, it's shaping all of my future work. So sorry to, to interrupt, uh, just to take a quick step back. So for the audience that is listening that doesn't know what an exponential organization is, maybe you could give us a quick definition of that first. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so this is also tied to the kind of what do you do, Kent, or what's your background. So mm. I do really kind of three key things, right? I help companies and cities, uh, we'll talk more about that, become exponential organizations. This is an organization of people that typically can do things about for usually around a tenth the cost and ten times more effectively, we would say, than other types of organizations. The reason they're able to do this is because of their capabilities at leveraging technology. Some of the first companies that we think to really nail this uh, were companies like Google, uh, like Apple, mm -hmm. like Airbnb, like Uber. These are companies that just intuitively figured out what it means to be uh, an EXL. Mm. Another interesting thing is around, you mentioned data activation earlier, but data activation is a framework for leveraging the power of data inside of an organization could almost be folded in uh, to this concept of an EXL in a way. I see. Yeah, and then also I've been teaching all of this uh, at Singularity University and in various online courses around the world. Okay, fantastic. So we're definitely going to get into all of that. Yeah. Um, you just mentioned briefly earlier that you had sort of a, a, a shift in your framework in your mind yeah. when you figured out your, your sort of your why, right? Why, wh wh what's your purpose? And so when did that happen for you exactly along your entrepreneurial journey? Was it one of your exits where you were finally maybe financially more secure and you were actually able to sit back and say, okay, now what do I want, want to do with my life? Or was there another pivotal uh, moment or incident that happened leading you to that? No, it was actually a moment of failure and almost embarrassment. Oh. Um, <laughs> mm. You know, and, and I, I generally share pretty openly, so I'm happy to, to share that with you. Um, Thank you. You know, I was running a company, uh, my last entrepreneurial effort, and it just, it, it just literally wasn't working. We weren't getting that coveted product market fit. Uh, I wasn't able uh, to push the I mean, cutting edge, beautiful technology into the market segment we had chosen and I just I literally was beating my head against the wall and we started seeking ways to pivot uh, in our particular case honestly it was a bit too late I wish I had recognized that better at the time but sometimes you know forest for the trees when you're in the thick of it yeah and the that was sort of the failing part so that that organization just wasn't functioning it wasn't working the way I wanted there's a lot of reasons for that I won't go into them all right now but the embarrassment part was <laughs> I have a seven-year-old son, and this was when he was probably five, and he looks at me and says, Daddy, what do you do? And every kid asks their dad this, and I, I looked at him, and I said, well, I build these technologies that do X, Y, Z, and when it hit me right in that moment when I was going to say, that do this, and why my technology was being, and how it was being applied, I didn't like it. Uh. I did not like the way the technology I'm capable of building and my teams were building was being applied. And that's where that comes from. When you say apply technology for humanity, right? I went big. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I said, well, I'm going to find a better reason to do this sort of thing. And that's what wow. I've been doing ever since. And data activation, in part, was also born from that frustration and uh, embarrassment. Wow. So that's that's awesome because, uh, you know, I have kids of my own. And it's when you, when you sort of dumb things down to, not dumb, but, you know, when you explain things on a more basic level, it, you really strip back 
a lot of the, the sort of technical jargon that, that that and you really figure out what's what's the meat and bones of of what you're doing. I love that story. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that, Kent. Um, sure. So okay, let's jump right in because we have a lot to talk about. So you mentioned your work in the uh, exponential organization space. So what exactly are some of the projects that you're working on right now? So my I guess my most formal title in that world is head of the global EXO movement. So what we're trying to do is the only thing that that particular role is supposed to do is make the EXO pie bigger for everyone. So that means that two of my key projects are to work with two of the leading organizations in the implementation of the underlying EXO methodology. That methodology was discussed first in the book Exponential Organizations by Salim Ismail, which one of my companies, actually the failure, was profiled uh, in that book. And I was an advisor uh, on the creation of the book early on. Oh, okay. So one of the companies is called EXO Works. That company uh, is all about transforming organizations into EXOs and really standing right for the global transformation of business. Um, the second big project, kind of umbrella project, is something called the Fast Track Institute. Uh, EXO Works is for profit, very much a consulting firm. Uh, mm -hmm. essentially productized consulting, though, is the way to think about that. Because the framework that they've implemented of the EXO methodology is called a sprint. Not the same sprint that you'll hear about. There's a book called Sprint 2. This is slightly different. Mm -hmm. That can be a little bit confusing. But the second one is the Fast Track Institute. This is a global nonprofit, 501c3, that is doing exactly what EXO Works does for organizations, large organizations right. typically. We're doing for cities. And so in that context, we're trying to connect citizens to their citizens, and we're trying to pump massive amounts of exponential technology knowledge into each region in which we run our framework of the EXO methodology, which is called a fast track. Okay. And those two projects are quite large, each of them, and I'm a, I'm a direct advisor and deeply involved. Uh, with both of them. Got it. So, can you give us an example um, for 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 people like myself who are who are on a much lower level of uh, <laughs> of uh, vocabulary, let's say, than you are? So, you you gave an analogy of of being sort of a consultant, right? Yeah. So, give 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 the audience an example of how if I'm an organization and I want to hire or implement the your global exo movement into my organization how would how would that process start yeah so what you do is uh, you 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 kick the process off through something we call an awake session and this is where you engage us to come in and do essentially like think of it as a massive influx of information in a very short period of time about things like biotechnology nanotechnology uh, information technology, all of these updated technologies that are rapidly growing and expanding throughout the world at an exponential pace due to sort of very fundamental things like uh, Moore's Law uh, from Gordon Moore or Ray Kurzweil's Law of Accelerating Returns. These basically just, these are those exponential curves that you're always hearing about. Mm -hmm. All of these technologies, when they go digital, hit that curve. And so what we're doing is very rapidly, this is the start, we're educating the organization about those technologies and how it's likely to most impact them in a relatively short period of time. That's the awakening. Right. From there, we run a 10-week process. This is the one specifically for organizations, companies. That 10-week process takes the all of the upper management and key operators uh, through the process of sort of engaging in the work of transformation uh, to an exponential organization. Now, what we learned, uh, the key thing that we've learned is when you go through that 10-week process, you don't 
100% change your organization into an EXO, mm. uh, you change the people and you change their mindset. And that's what's powerful. And then you begin the process of change for the organization during that by doing two key things. One is launching edge initiatives or EXOs at the edge. So this is analogous to the way that uh, Elon Musk launched Tesla almost from within uh, SpaceX facilities. Right. Uh, and or it's analogous to the way that Apple is quite fond of launching new products with these kind of two pizza teams uh, mm -hmm. that they do. Uh, the second thing that you do is called uh, EXO Lite, or it's sort of like the internal effort. And the key there is that you don't want to upset uh, what we call the organizational immune system too much. Right. Because if the pace of change is too fast, they will kill it. <laughs> and they will kill it fast. So we go through the process with the teams uh, inside the organization of how to begin this process of change at a slightly slower pace. The net of all of this is that you get a chance to become your own disruptor as opposed to being disrupted from external forces. So, so before that process even begins, I guess you, th there's an application process or some sort of survey process where you have to see if the organization that you are potentially going to work with actually has that sort of scalable technology that, that you'll be able to implement the system into, right? Yeah. Uh, that's one of the first questions we always get. I work in industry XYZ. How could I possibly become an exponential organization? Uh, you know, because we make widgets, for example, and we're always going to make widgets, and we've always made widgets. And the answer is maybe the core uh, won't uh, necessarily completely transform because you're still going to need to make the widgets or else you're out of business. Uh, but by adding these adjacencies, right, these EXOs on the edge, uh, you're actually able to still push transformation and disruption within your industry in a meaningful way. I think a good example would be maybe, uh, without getting too much specifics, I was working with a financial services company, and this was a smaller example. And mm. they do one specific thing around um, advisory services and financial services. And what we did with them was we looked at the exercise of how they could grow their business uh, substantially by adding on adjacencies at the edge that were non-disruptive to the core so that they could preserve their business revenue lines. I hope that answers the question to a degree. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's a great example. Um, and so is this, is, is this sort of a, I feel like this is sort of a, uh, a movement in that if you are a large organization being classified or, or certified as, as an EXO, uh, I don't know what 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 you what you call it once yeah. once once someone yeah. goes through the process. We certify the people, right? We certify the people, okay. not the the orgs. Uh, I got it. Although, okay, so it seems like this is it's a good idea. Maybe I'll look into that. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like this is a. It's almost like a credential, right? Because yeah. as an organization, there's there's a lot of things that um, you know. I, there, I've I've been looking into a lot of sort of social impact investing type, and that's sort of one of these badges of honors that organizations, or maybe not badges of honors, but it's a, definitely an initiative that a lot of organizations are moving towards implementing. And it sounds like. Um, being an XO organization is, is one of these. Yeah, absolutely. And we've found again and again that when organizations take a deep look at themselves and they find out that they don't have a large mission, right, that massive transformative purpose, it's not global, it's quite insular, it doesn't, it's not even potentially all that scalable, almost invariably they start to reach for things that are more impactful, right? And, I, and by impact, I mean impactful in a positive way on significant numbers of human beings, wherever they may be. And right. uh, it, it almost seems to be 
it, uh, so far, honestly, it seems to be the case everywhere we've been. Uh, and we've done this a bunch of times now. That's fascinating. So then you say that uh, now on the Fast Track Institute, that is on the global scale, basically working with countries. Is that right? Cities. Cities specifically. Cities. Yeah, the world cities are growing you know, at, a, at a, literally an ever-increasing pace as urbanization uh, continues to push forward because people move to the cities looking for opportunity, right? We've been seeing this trend for a very long time. This is hardly new, right? Potentially thousands of years. Right. And what we're doing there is that we're trying to help cities adapt uh, to this world in which the technological progress is giving sometimes even individuals significant amounts of power that only governments once had. So what we did was we adapted some of the underlying EXO methodologies to a framework called the Fast Track. And then we, we created organizational structures that sort of stand in for a CEO that you would have in an organization, but they stand in for the city. We call it the Regional Advisory Board. And that board is made up of public, private, and academic institutions. And they work together to run this framework that we call or this process called a Fast Track. And the fast track is where we bring in external consultants from something called the EXO network. We pair them uh, with local resources, and it's a set. You can think of it almost as a giant mentorship and program that's a knowledge pump into the region. Uh, and so we create. I think of them as proto companies uh, through that process that have the potential to be accelerated and become real uh, at the end of the process. And it's the actual regional members of the fast track organization in that region that then take those sort of proto companies that we create and uh, accelerate them uh, into reality using local resources and remote resources that we bring to bear. The fast track institute acts almost as a, a curator or a facilitator for the booting up of this process. It's, it's really been some of the more rewarding uh, work that I've had the pleasure to do uh, in my career. That's interesting. And so you mentioned earlier that you were doing work in Colombia, uh, South America. Is there any uh, other locations, perhaps uh, over in Asia, that, that you're doing any of this work? Not yet. Um, I was really excited uh, to get a chance to be here and to tell people about the work because I think there's almost unlimited potential, right? Because we look for Indeed. cities that have at least a million people uh, for what we're doing right now uh, because they're the ones that seem to have that right sort of, think of it as cost-benefit analysis or risk analysis. And uh, I think just China alone, for example, has more cities with more than a million people than almost anywhere on earth. So Yeah, that's right. Um, you, you, there's a huge, uh, huge opportunity. There's a huge pipeline of, of, of cities in Asia that, that need your work. Yeah. So. <laughs> and, and we do have a number of uh, EXO network consultants that are based in Asia. Uh, we just haven't yet picked up a Fast Track City member yet, but we will. Excellent. So let's talk about data activation. What is it and how does that tie into your work? Over the last, uh, as I said, like 20 years of building companies, almost all of my companies have had something to do with the acquisition, the management of data. So for example, a company that I started in 2008, was uh, co-founded in 2008, was Nscale. That was disaster recovery as a service in the cloud. I think my partner and I really pioneered that space uh, in 2008. And that was all about going into law firms and helping them essentially back their data up. But when something bad happened at home, being able to fail over almost immediately and get back to work. Because when you're dealing with you know, lawyers that make hundreds of dollars per hour, in some cases more, uh, it's important that they don't lose too much time. Absolutely. So that was sort of some of the early genesis. And then moving forward, doing a, a MarTech company uh, and working with dozens of companies in the social media analytics space in the uh, sort of all the way through 2000. 
probably 12, I realized that there were certain fundamental truths almost about what data is, what it can be used for, and then how you go about activating it or, or making it impactful for your organization and its people. That's what eventually became data activation. So it's really and truly a framework that empowers people to gain leverage with their data uh, for their organization and do so in a relatively short period. Uh, you know, this even so far, I've been even having luck implementing this for in organizations where they've completely failed in the past to make good use of their data. Mm. And so, really, when you when you when you think about data activation that way, and you look at something, for example, I'll give you a live example. I'm working with a company that makes agricultural feed products. You think like, wow, that doesn't sound that sexy, but it's actually really amazing because ultimately, you feed people. <laughs> right. Yeah. So back in December, in our peak day ever recorded, we put 187 million plates of food on tables that in some way our data process touched. Right. And we're aspiring to put more protein of a higher quality at a lower cost in each of those plates of food uh, in order to nourish wellness. So this is a really nice expression of applied technology for humanity. So if you go through a process like data activation where you acquire the data, prepare the data, analyze the data, then experiment with it and do real data science, and then productionize that data, which means things like APIs, standalone applications, uh, or uh, a really popular way right now is notebook environments for data scientists to, to mine and operate on the data in near real time, then mm. that's data activation, right? That's data that's alive, that can do something other than sit on a server somewhere and essentially rot. Right. And so the work that you do with data activation, does that fall under, does that get implemented at the same time within your work in EXO organizations and building them out? Or is that a separate uh, structure that, or company that you, were, that you used uh, in tandem? You know, it started out really separate, but the reality is over time it has begun to merge. One of the um, attributes of an exponential organization is called algorithms. Mm. If you look at the book, Exponential Organizations, you'll see that in there. And algorithms are about how you use data, how you work with data, how you do data science, essentially. That's just the, the blanket. So you could almost argue that data activation is a really advanced process for implementing that attribute of EXO. And so what, what I've done is sort of blow that out and specialize in that as part of becoming an EXO. Interesting. Got it. Okay. And so Kent, somehow uh, between everything that you do uh, and your family at home, <laughs> you somehow also are a faculty at Singularity University and uh, an alum alumnus, I, I right. believe as well, right? That's right. So maybe you can talk, I mean, I, I think that's probably a, a you know, our, our audience probably has heard of Singularity, or at least some of them have. Maybe you can give us a little quick uh, rundown on what Singularity University is and what you uh, teach there. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Singularity University is a place where you go to solve big problems, right? So we, we say the impact you want to have if you're going to be a student of Singularity University, either the executive program or the global solutions program in the summer, uh, I'll explain those a little bit. You want to think big, right? Think moonshot big. So it's a 10 mm. to the ninth problem. That means wow. you want to impact a billion people positively <laughs> in 10 years or less. Okay. So right. now think of any business idea you've ever had and then apply that filter. And then if you're, if it doesn't pass, you're not going to do it. Nice. M most people run out of ideas pretty, pretty quickly. <laughs> so what we teach at SU 
is that, right? We teach you how to come up with the ideas, what technologies you're going to need to bring to bear in order to solve 10 to the ninth problems. And as mm-hmm. you might expect, a lot of those problems tend to be very sort of social well-being or, or global social well-being in nature because when you're talking about a billion people, there's no one country, well, almost, no one country <laughs> that you can touch, uh, you know, without 100% <laughs> coverage, right? right? So you kind of have to think in a different way. What I teach at Singularity University, well, first I'll tell you how I got involved. I went there in 2013 in March as a student of the executive program, which is a Mm. one-week really intense, you know, turn your cell phone off, you're going to be in a deep type of course. And I just felt like I found home, right? And I, I, I just couldn't, at the end of it, while some people were looking a little like they were ready to go home, I was sitting there in my chair going, that can't be it. We're not done, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and and I said, um, what's next? And I started just lobbying, right, to be able to do workshops, to be able to speak, to, to be able to share what I know uh, with the rest mm. of SU. And then eventually, uh, through a lot of persistence and work, became a, a professor there, right, a, a teacher at Singularity University teaching data science uh, and teaching exponential organizations, my two key sort of things that I do in life right now. Right. I was going to say, it sounds like you might be one of the, four, the, the founding fathers of SU because it's literally exactly what all of your, your, your work is, your life work is right now. So, uh, so how does one apply to the SU? And, you know, I mean, obviously the criteria that you gave is, is, quite, uh, is quite distinct, but I imagine it's quite a uh, rigorous uh, application process and whatnot. Oh, sure. So there are two, two real key courses uh, and then supporting uh, organizational functions around it. One is the executive program like I attended. This is meant for uh, relatively senior level executives or uh, people who are destined to be so uh, to really come and get that dose of exponential technologies from some of the best minds in the world. It's just I don't ever step on the SU campus that I'm not just blown away by somebody mm. that I meet. And that happens every single time. There's no place else like it on Earth. The second is called their Global Solutions Program. And I, I sort of think of this as the crown jewel. It's really what we all drive towards every single year is 80 students from all around the world. I think sometimes as many as 40 countries, 60 countries represented amongst 80 students. So you can, you can figure out that's pretty amazing. And each of those students goes through an application process and thousands and thousands of people apply. They have to have a moonshot idea, a 10 to the ninth idea. Mm-hmm. They have to have the ability and the willingness to get it done, right? The perseverance, actually, uh, right. oftentimes, uh, to, to, to carry through with this idea. So you throw 80 people like that together, you let them form teams throughout a, a, about a 12-week summer program, and incredible things are born, incredible things. Just a quick search of SU companies will show you things like companies that make rockets, things that make uh, bioreactors that make custom vitamins at home, uh, companies like Matternet that are trying to solve um, short-haul transportation using drones in Africa where the roads wash out in the winter. Incredible uh, things around uh, 3D printing, um, companies that are completely modernizing the supply chain through the protection of digital IP uh, for 3D printing. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Um, they've been at it for a while now. And then the people that go through the GSP that really want to make companies have an opportunity to apply to the accelerator program there at the end of the GSP summer and then carry on their work and actually build the companies and make them happen. It's uh, When you mix all that together and then all the global partners that join 
into the other programs, plus all the teachers and the customs. It's just there's no other crucible like it. It's it's just a, a really joy uh, to get the opportunity, you know, to be there. And the founding fathers were Ray Kurzweil, Peter Diamandis, uh, and those guys. You know, uh, they're just incredible in what they've created. Yeah, it's it's literally probably the smartest people in the world in one you know location working on how to solve yeah. problems for the world yeah it's so at nasa it's, ames in uh, in mountain view yeah exactly where, where it is and it's a really really special place amazing amazing um well kent uh we have to look to wrap up here shortly uh, i just have a couple more questions for you the first thing is what what in 2017 what are your immediate goals that you want to do i mean you're you've you're obviously doing so much uh in various different you know organizations and and you're teaching what's what's uh, one or two concrete goals that you would like to see uh yourself accomplish this year well i think one of my number one goals right now is the work that i'm doing with the fast track institute has to be scalable and repeatable and it has to become self-sustaining and I think that we have the opportunity to do that and we're going to be working very hard this year to open source that process uh, the process of doing fast tracks for cities I think that would just be incredible if we can do that it's really a, a powerful way to give something back to the world now on a more personal note uh, sort of to take a step back from EXO and data science um, and all of these things is you know I have to balance all of this really well uh, with my family. Mm. Uh, and I have three young boys uh, and they look to me uh, as well as, uh, you know, for, for guidance and inspiration. And, and I've been, you know, just trying to work really hard to make the space in my life to make sure uh, that I don't disappoint there either, because that is equally important to me as everything else that I do. So uh, for me, trying to balance those two things is one of my top goals for 2017. Well, absolutely, and and your your son was the one that kind of helped you uh, <laughs> along the way realize what you're what you're working for. So that leads me into one of my last questions, which is: you are actually sitting in a in a position, and you have the knowledge and the power to to make a substantial impact on the world. How do you want to be remembered by uh, with all the work that you've done? Wow, you're gonna give me a second. <laughs> you're gonna give me a second on that one. Let's see. Um, you know. And this is going to be me in 2017 saying this. There was a, there's an older version of me who would have never said this. But what I've figured out along the way is that in order to, in order to really get almost anything of value, you have to be willing to give uh, something of value. Uh, and what I mean by that is if I'm to be remembered at some point for any of the work I do, I want people to go, okay, well, that guy, you know, he knew some stuff, but he shared it. Mm. Uh, he shared it really openly, and that sharing really, uh, really made a difference. And I mean, that goes from all of my personal relationships all the way up through my business and professional relationships. And by the way, that's not always easy to do. It kind of goes against even human nature at certain times, depending on what the context is. Sure. And uh, but I've actually endeavored uh, to to make that a really core part of who I am. Uh, and I think, yeah, to be remembered for being really generous. Uh, about the sharing of the technology, the implementation of technology that I've spent a lifetime learning how to do uh, would be would be quite quite nice.
Sounds amazing. I can't wait to sit on the sideline and watch the amazing things that you do. Thank you so much for your time, Kent. Uh, last question is, where can my audience find you, follow you, connect with you? I know that you blog quite extensively as well. Easiest, quickest way to find me is just on Twitter. Uh, it's Kent Langley. So twitter.com slash Kent Langley, all one, mm -hmm. uh, there. Uh, I have my main website, which is at www.productionscale.com. And then I am actually experimenting uh, with a medium blog instead of my dedicated website blog. And that blog is called The 41st Square. And if you figure okay. out what I mean by that, email me. I'd love to hear it. There you go. Nice challenge for the audience. Excellent. Thank you, Kent. Uh, really appreciate the time. And we're excited to see the work that you do. Thank you, Jay, very much for having me on your show. All right. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All the show notes and links can be found over at jkimshow.com. Come back often and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget to join us next week for another exciting episode of The J. Kim Show. I'd love to hear your comments. You can find me on Twitter at jkimmer, J-A-Y-K-I-M-M-E-R. See you guys next week. This podcast is brought to you by Hack Your Fitness, the high achiever's guide to getting ripped in under three hours a week. If you're anything like me, you're probably working a full-time job or jobs and trying to find time to balance family life, social life, and last but not least, fitness. Look, I get it. I'm a full-time investor and entrepreneur myself and father of two. So how am I able to stay fit year-round without spending hours and hours in the gym killing myself on the cardio machine? After struggling for the last 15 years trying every workout and diet under the sun, I finally designed a system that allows me to achieve and maintain single-digit body fat for life in under 3 hours a week. Cardio not required. Head on over to hackyour.fitness and download my free 13-page guide that teaches you the simple science behind efficient fitness and smart nutrition and gives you everything you need to know to finally take control of your life. That's hackyour.fitness.